This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning, everybody. Oh, what a fun morning. You like my shirt? I've never actually worn tie-dye. This is my initiation into the hippie world. So, uh, yeah, I know. I I borrowed this from Jim Thornton, who is Mr. Tie-Dye, right? Thank you, Jim. And uh, out of the kindness of his heart, he gifted me this shirt. So you might actually see it again. Um, I have to tell you, I love the message on this shirt. Um, This is a Jesus-centered church. And in the best way possible, and I hope to be able to lay some of that out for us this morning so we understand that a little better. If you are here for the first time, uh, I just want to say you're in for a treat. Uh, I would like to tell you that you would be in for a treat every single Sunday at New Life because it is a treat every single Sunday. Um. Church is one of the greatest places that we actually connect with God. And when I say we, I don't, I don't just mean the people that normally come to New Life. I mean, any time you choose to sit in this audience, there's a very high likelihood that you will encounter Jesus in some way. Because that's actually why we get together. And I, and I want to say this to all of us. Uh, at the end of our service, we're going to be taking communion around the tables that are around the, the outside of our auditorium. And then we're, as Dan talked about, we're going to be celebrating with some of our friends in baptism. But as you're sitting in the audience today, you may feel a nudge from God's Spirit. That would not be unusual. And the nudge may be God saying to you, go take communion. I know you don't normally do that. And I know that this might be your first time in this church and you might be thinking, am I really qualified to do that? Should I really? At New Life, communion is always open to anyone who wants to honor Christ. And if you feel a nudge from God's Spirit inviting you to go take communion, or later on when we're baptizing people, if you feel a nudge from God's Spirit saying, you know what? You're ready. You should actually do this. And you'll have all sorts of excuses like, I didn't bring my clothes. I don't have a towel. I My family's not all here. Listen, if God is nudging you, don't sweat the details. Are you on board with that? Yeah, just respond. Because if it's him nudging you, it's the greatest thing you could do. Having said all that, my name is Ron. And uh, for those of you who are brand new, Uh, I am currently the lead pastor of this church, and it's my honor to teach us 
I've been praying about this. And if you know me well, you know how important this prayer is. I've been praying that I could speak for 20 minutes this morning and be done. (laughs) That might be a miracle just under the resurrection of Jesus, okay? Um, But there are so many good things to say. We are launching a ministry in our church called Impact. And you can see its logo on the screens. Now, Impact is all about engaging our church in our community. And it's not that we haven't been doing anything in our community. We actually, for years, have been doing a lot of things in our community. But Impact marks the beginning of us doing that intentionally and strategically and building ministry structure around it. And that's a huge thing. And last week, I I kicked off this series with the teaching on the causes that are closest to Christ's heart. And if you weren't able to be here, I would encourage you to go online to our website and, and pull up the teaching section, pull up that teaching, and watch it. It's about 30 to 35 minutes, I think. And it will help lay out for you why we're doing what we're doing and maybe even why you should be a part of it. So today, we're going to take the next step in that journey. There's a two-word phrase that Jesus used often, sometimes as an invitation and sometimes almost as a guideline or instruction. But he used it often because it was really important, and you see it on the screen. That two-word phrase is, follow me. Now, that could mean three things. It could mean, follow me means to come in time after me. Well, that was easy. We all did that, right? But I think Jesus meant something a little deeper than be born later than I am. Okay? He could also mean kind of hang out with me, follow me, be where I am, be in my gang. That's got more significance, but I don't think that's actually what Jesus meant. When Jesus said, follow me, he meant do as I do. And there's actually two really important concepts in that. Do as I do means do what I do. And it also means do it how I do it. In our teaching this morning, the doing it how Jesus does it, we're going to call acting with Christ's touch. And I'll get into that later. But if we're actually going to be a Jesus-centered church, then it would be important for us to be doing what Jesus did and doing it how he did it. So that leads us to a question, what did Jesus really do? And there's quite an endless list, but we're going to take one of those overarching principles. Take a look at the screen. (coughs) Jesus invested the majority of his heart and time out in the community and with the people. Now, that was quite different 
than all the religious leaders of his time. And in a way, I don't think it's much different today. Many of the churches that that I know of are churches that meet in their own sanctuaries or church buildings or cathedrals. Many of the religious leaders of our day meet in their own mosques or temples or whatever, and they all sort of have this one thing, and that is you need to come to me. You need to come to this temple, this mosque, this church building, this cathedral, this synagogue, because the religious leaders are here waiting for you. That is not who Jesus was at all. Jesus said, I'm not going to sit in some building and wait till the people come to me. I am going to go out into the community where the people are, and I will be with them. For us as a church, if we're going to do what Jesus did, it means that you and I will not sit in this building and just wait for people to come or even invite people to come, although that's a good thing and I want you to do that. But we are actually going to go out into the community and be with the people. Secondly, it's clear from a reading of Jesus' life that Jesus didn't just help people. He didn't just meet with people who had resources and collect resources and then build a structure of distribution where those resources could be distributed to people who were really in need. He didn't just help people. He actually partnered with people at a heart level, not a need level. He met their needs, but he partnered with them at a heart level that made each person that he served feel loved, accepted, and completely safe. And Jesus says to you and me, follow me in that. Learn how to interact with people in such a way that they feel partnered with, not just that you have compassion or pity toward them, but that they feel partnered with and loved and accepted and completely safe in your presence. That leads me to an important question, and here it is. What if our church created strategic ways for us to effectively love, serve, and partner with the people (coughs) of our community and world and to do it with the touch of Jesus? Would that be a great thing? Yeah, that is a great thing. We have an answer to that. Here it is on the screen. Impact is our answer to that question. It's how our church creates these strategic ways for us to effectively partner with, love, accept, and serve the people of our community. So how does all that work? You'll see it on the screen. Through Impact, (coughs) we have created partnerships with nine different 
nonprofit organizations that are already doing great work in areas that are in alignment with our mission and values. Some of them are Christian nonprofits. Some of them are not Christian nonprofits. Dan mentioned earlier this morning that, that he works uh, in concert with a nonprofit in our town called Mentor Me Petaluma. And in that context, he has a 10-year-old boy that he's a mentor to. And this 10-year-old boy actually needs adults in his world who are stable and who love him and that he feels safe with and that he can learn from in the context of a personal relationship. Does that sound like a great thing? That's phenomenal. It's not a Christian organization. But boy, do we resonate with what they're doing. Okay? We have a, a leadership team called our Impact Leadership Team. They have been meeting for a year now. They have interviewed and vetted and chosen nine different nonprofits in our community and world. We have reached out to those nonprofits and asked them to partner with us. And they have chosen to partner with us. And we are creating volunteer on-ramps that make it convenient for you to sign up and serve in these areas of, of need in our community and world. We are opening our building and inviting these partner causes to come in and do business meetings and training meetings and to use our campus. And we are locking arms together with partner causes in our community to make a difference in our world. How does that sound? Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that is. <laughs> so, it's important that you realize if you take this guy that you find on a chair near you, and if you look at the tagline under impact, what does it say? It says, mobilizing everyone to serve, correct? Okay? That is literally our goal. I'll get to that in a minute. And when I use the term partner cause, I'm actually referring to one of those nine partner causes that we will be partnering with, okay? Impact's goal is to create on-ramps that enable everyone connected with New Life to regularly volunteer in one or more of our partner causes, okay? I'm not going to guilt you into that. I'm not going to stand up here and pound on this table till everybody gets in a cause. That's not how we do it. That's not how Jesus did it. So that's not how I'm going to do it. But I make no apologies about appealing to your heart. Oh, thank you, Foster. I make, ooh, it's nice and hot. I will make no apologies for appealing to your heart. Because I believe that God will speak to your heart, every single one of us. And he will call us to one or more of these partner causes. And when we go out to serve, I don't want you to miss this. When we go out to serve, 
we will serve with the touch of Jesus. Are you on board with that? Yeah, that's, that's who we are. That's what we should be doing. So, yes, indeed. <clears throat> I want to go back to our logo because whenever you see impact uh, listed, you will see the ACT is always emphasized. And there's a reason for that. It's actually an acronym. And the acronym is Acting with Christ's Touch. And that is so important. And right away, I'm sure that conjures up a question for you. What, what's the Christ touch thing? How did he actually do that? Well, before we get to that, I want to take you to a scripture that really opened my eyes. And here it is. People throughout the village brought sick family members to Jesus, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. There was something about the touch of the hand of Jesus that was special. If I have a prayer for our church, this church, it would be this, that you and I could learn to live and interact with others so that our presence and our touch communicates to people the exact same thing that Jesus' presence and Jesus' touch communicated. wonder what that was. Well, reading through his life, there were three, three things that became very clear to me and I want to go over them with us. <clears throat> and they are, number one, when Jesus touched someone, there was a communication of love. You knew it. By the way, people who study these things tell us that 80% of what we communicate or more is done non-verbally. There's a reason why when you come to this church, it will be normal for you to get a hug from me. Have you noticed that? Yeah. It's because I hope, I really hope, by that hug, that I am communicating to you these three things. I know that Jesus did. And the first is love. And I, I, it's so easy for us to throw that word around. I love hot dogs. Okay. Maybe a deeper sense than that. Okay. When Jesus loved someone, here's the amazing thing. Jesus was God in human flesh. And yet, he never once acted like he was better than anyone else. That's phenomenal, don't you think? That's crazy. How could he do that? Jesus was actually above everybody else, and yet he never condescended 
to anyone. When Jesus touched people, he was communicating, you are my brother and my sister, a fellow human being in this world. And I love you as a peer. When we go out to serve, I pray that we carry that with us and that every person we serve never feels condescended to and never feels like we think we're better than they are or that our behavior is better than their behavior, but that we go as fellow human beings and when we touch them, they feel truly loved as a fellow human being. Second thing, Jesus touched communicated acceptance. And acceptance in this sense, I want you in my world. You actually belong in my world. And I am here to include you in my world. I'm not just here to give you some help. I'm not just here to give you some correct answers. I'm not just here to tell you what you should be doing. I am here because I want you in my world. I pray that when we go out to serve in these nine different causes, that we carry with us that concept. That every single person we encounter, that we would touch them in such a way that they know they belong in our world and we want them there. And then last of all, it was a touch of partnership that Jesus was actually saying to them, I see your struggle. I do. I love you. I want you in my world and I'm not here to straighten you out, but I am here to work with you to make your world better. Let's do this together. The last three letters of impact are acting with Christ's touch. May God enable all of us to act with Christ's touch. But impact is more than just acting with Christ's touch. The word impact is actually a full acronym, and let's take a look at what it actually means. It means it's my purpose to act with Christ's touch. Wow, you're kidding. Huh. So often in the field of Christianity, <clears throat> we somehow come away with a conclusion that the heart of following Christ is keeping all the rules. Anybody ever have that idea? Oh yeah, if you went to a lot of churches, that's the idea you would get. You don't do this and you don't do that and you don't do this and you do this and you do this and you do this, but not that. And if you get all the do's and the don'ts correct, most of the time you're good. It's like the purpose of Christianity is 
for you to be good or behave in a right way. And yet, the Scripture actually teaches differently. I want to read to you from the writings of the Apostle Paul. Here's how he put it. We are God's masterpiece. Stop right there. I'll bet not one single person in our audience got up this morning and said, Thank you, God. I am your masterpiece. (laughs) Probably not, right? And yet, that's exactly what Paul says. I want you to think about this. Because among other things, God is an artist. And he's writing a creative writing, a creative story of which you are a part. And if I was to go back and read this to you in the language it was originally written in before it was translated, that word masterpiece, the original word for that was poema, P-O-E-M-A. What English word do we get from poema? poem. Friends, you and I are God's poem. We are a thing of beauty that he is writing with rhythm and verse and all the beauty of poetry. It's why this translator said, we are God's masterpiece. Now the question is, How are we God's masterpiece? Are we God's masterpiece because we're a little wind-up toy that always behaves well? I know you. (laughs) And you know me, right? And we're either delusional if we think that, or there's a different reason. There's a different answer. We are God's masterpiece, and he goes on to say, God made us in Christ Jesus for the purpose of what? Doing good works. Not for the purpose of keeping all the commands. Now, so do we just throw all the commands out? No. But here's an amazing principle. If you and I will commit ourselves to doing good works, it helps us become good people who find it easier to live in the guidelines. That's kind of cool, don't you think? So it's not like I have to get my act all cleaned up before I can do anything good. No, no, no. Doing good helps you clean up your act. That's what Paul is saying. And friends, this goes all the way back to our mission. And I went over our mission last week, but I want to bring it up here again. Our mission is helping people discover and experience life in Jesus by loving them the way Jesus loves us all. That's about doing good works for people. Touching them with a touch of genuine love. Touching them with a touch of full acceptance and inclusion, no matter who they are, 
and touching them with a touch that says, I'm here to partner and to help and to be with you. That's how Jesus loved people. And that's how we as a church are choosing to love people. Next week, we're going to invite all nine of our partner causes to come and be part of our church next Sunday morning. We've invited them to set up booths around the, around the lobby. We've invited the, their executive directors and leadership staff to come and be with us. <coughs> I'm going to speak even shorter than I am today. And we're going to give you a chance to go out and ask questions uh, and sign up uh, for causes um, that God is calling you to serve in. And we're going to kick off impact in a huge way. We're going to celebrate. I think there might even be cookies. We're going to have a good time. I want to invite you back for that. But as we close this service, uh, I want us to understand that impact is impact for a reason. Because I believe, and our leadership team believes, that if you and I will do what Jesus did and do it how Jesus did it, that God will use this church to impact in the best way its community and world. And let's never forget that one man who lived 2,000 years ago in an obscure village called Nazareth who chose 12 pretty ordinary guys to be his followers literally changed the world. And he's living in us. We're going to close this service by celebrating communion. And I want to do so through the story of one of those 12 guys that Jesus chose. His name was Thomas. Anybody know sort of the descriptor that we often put with Thomas? What is it? Doubting. Yeah. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Your parents ever tell you that? I think all parents learn that somewhere in parent school. Yeah. Here's where that story comes from. You'll see it on the screen. I'll read you the story. Thomas was not with the disciples when Jesus first appeared to them. So this is after Jesus has been killed. It's after he has resurrected himself. And one day he shows up to the apostles, but Thomas wasn't there. Well, when Jesus showed up, do you think that sort of shook up their world? Big time. Notice what happens. The other followers kept telling Thomas, we saw the Lord. Look at Thomas's response. <laughs> I will not believe it until I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side. I just want to stop for a minute and say, we all have things that sort of stand in the way of our faith. Have you noticed that? You might have questions, and you think, man, until I get the answer to that question, 
I'm not sure I can trust Jesus. Well, in that sense, we're like Thomas. I got to have this. Never mind that 10 guys standing there all saw him. And Thomas knew all 10 of them. Dude, we saw Jesus. He is alive. I'm telling you. Thomas goes, yeah, I'm not buying it. I love the rest of the story. Here it is. A week later. Can you imagine that week? All week long, Thomas is hearing one thing from all these guys. What is it? Come on, dude. Get with it. We all saw him. A week later, the followers were in the house again, and Thomas was with them, and the doors were locked. But Jesus came in and stood in the middle of them. It doesn't say for sure. I, in my mind, I like to think when he appeared, he stood right next to Thomas. And he might have said, hey, Thomas. Oh, you think it got quiet in that room? It got really quiet. And then he turned to Thomas. He said, peace be with you. He said, Thomas, put your finger here. And when he extended his hands, there were the scars from the nails. And then he said, Thomas, take a look. And he opened up his tunic, and there was the place where they had stabbed him with a spear. And there was a scar. In a way, when you and I take communion today, if we could use our imaginations and say to Jesus, someday... I'm going to see those. I know they're there. But for now, communion is my way of acknowledging that I believe before I see. Are you on board with that? So, again, it's optional. But if you want to take communion, make your way to the tables, get a communion kit. If you don't know how the kit works, ask someone next to you. They're not all that intuitive. I can tell you that already. Um, Ask someone next to you. And then when we're done with communion, come back and find your chair. And we're going to move into the baptism portion of our service. I want to let you know that the kids from next gen are going to be coming in while we take communion. They'll be finding their seats along the front so that they can be part of our baptism service too. Uh, Wherever you are, would you just kind of stop? Because I want to pray. All right? God, thank you. Thank you for calling us to follow you. Thank you for telling us that we can live and serve with your touch. God, would you change our hearts so that our hearts are like yours, so that we can touch people with love, acceptance, and partnership. And right now, Jesus, we see you and we believe. And we look forward to the day when we can see those those scars. But for now, we celebrate you through this communion. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. 
You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.